first of all, just say I'm very thankful uh, to be able to be here and to share this little bit tonight. Um, I'm sure a lot of you know that it's been a challenging couple of years, and uh, I just want to personally thank everyone who uh, has, over the last 20 months, uh, prayed for me and uh, just done wonderful things to help assist, and I'm just so grateful that uh, God has been gracious to restore a good portion of my health. Um, for those of you who don't know, I was diagnosed with Meniere's disease, which is a very, um, I'll just say severe, but it's actually a crazy vertigo issue, and um, it certainly did cause a huge pause in my life, a uh, pause I wasn't expecting, but that's okay because we trust in the Lord, and he is the God of the pauses, and he meets us where we need to be met. And so um, I'm just so happy to be sharing. I love this topic of stories. And those of you who know me well know that I love a good story. I love to tell a good story. I love to hear a good story. And so uh, when this um, opportunity came up, I knew exactly the story that I wanted to tell. And uh, this is actually be one of my favorite Bible stories. Uh, and it came uh, probably, I first maybe heard it, I think. Uh, my recollection is correct, from my dad. Um, my dad was an incredible storyteller. And uh, he would tell stories uh, uh, of Bible stories and other stories, but he would sit for hours and tell us the story. And one of the stories was the story of Jairus and his daughter. My dad had a wonderful way of bringing scripture to life. And this was one of my favorite stories. And I hope by the end of this evening, uh, it will be one of your favorite stories of scripture as well. So we're going to look into Mark chapter 5 verses 21 to 42 and we're actually going to read the whole story. It's not very long um, but we're going to read it together. I'm reading out of the voice translation. It's a whoops it's a, a new translation that kind of uh, I came across. It's not new but I came across it new uh, just this year and I'm really enjoying it. So I'm going to read out of the voice translation but you follow along in whatever versions you have. So let, let's read the story. After Jesus returned across the sea, a large crowd quickly found him. So he stayed by the sea. One of the leaders of the synagogue, a man named Jairus, came and fell at his feet begging him to, to heal his daughter. My daughter is dying, and she's only 12 years old. Please come to my house. Just place your hand on her. I know that if you do it, she will live. Jesus began traveling along with Jairus towards his home. In the crowd pressing around Jesus, there was a woman who had suffered continuous bleeding for 12 years. Bleeding that made her ritually unclean and an outcast according to their purity laws. She had suffered greatly, and although she spent all her money on medical care, she had only gotten worse. She had heard of this miracle man, Jesus, so she snuck up behind him in the crowd, reached out her hand to touch his cloak. Even if all I do is touch 
his clothes. I know I will be healed. As soon as her fingers brushed his cloak, the bleeding stopped. She could feel that she was whole again. Lots of people were pressed against Jesus at the moment, but he immediately felt her touch. He felt healing power flow out of him. He stopped. Everyone stopped. He looked around. Who just touched my robe? His disciples broke the uneasy silence. Jesus, the is so thick that everyone is touching you. Why do you ask who touched me? But Jesus waited. His gaze swept across the crowd to see who had done it. At last, the woman, knowing he was talking about her, pushed forward and dropped to her knees. She was shaking with fear and amazement. I touched you. And then she told him the reason why. Jesus listened to her story. Daughter, you are well because you dared to believe. Go in peace and stay well. While he was speaking, some members of Jairus' household pushed through the crowd. Your daughter is dead. There's no need to drag the teacher any further. Jesus overheard their words. Then he turned to look at Jairus. It's all right. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Jesus asked everyone but Peter, James, and John to remain outside when they reached Jairus' house. Inside the synagogue leader's house, the morning had already begun. Weeping and wailing carried out onto the street. Jesus and his three disciples went inside. Why are you making all this sorrowful noise? The child isn't dead. She's just sleeping. The mourners laughed a horrible, bitter laugh and went back to their wailing. Jesus cleared the house so that only his three disciples, Jairus, Jairus's wife, were left inside with him. They all went to where the child lay. Then Jesus took the child's hand. Little girl, it's time to wake up. Immediately, the 12-year-old girl opened her eyes, arose, and began to walk. Her parents could not believe their eyes. Don't tell anybody what you have seen. Why don't you give her something to eat? I know she is hungry. A great story of scripture that I'm sure is very familiar to all of us. So I just want to uh, start with the um, setting, kind of like what's happening. Um, Jesus, to this point, had been very busy with teaching and preaching. Uh, he'd crossed back and forth to Galilee, over the Sea of Galilee, many times. And you might be very familiar with some of the miracles that kind of happened um, at, the, at this time, this miracle of Mike. Um, and so uh, Jesus had uh, calmed the storm. Remember that, that miracle, the Sea of Galilee and the storm? Jesus calmed the storm. Um, some of you might not be as familiar with Jesus uh, cleansing the man or delivering the man with the legion of demons, the 1,000 demons. And remember, they went into the pigs, and the pigs went over the cliff. Uh, it's quite a compelling story. And so that had taken place as well. And so as these miracles were kind of piling up, um, crowds were gathering, and people were beginning to really seek out Jesus and want to follow him. And so again, 
the crowds had followed Jesus, and Jesus again got into the boat and crossed over to the other side of the sea. And it is here that he meets Jairus. Now, we don't, learn, we don't know a lot about um, Jairus, really, only what this little story tells us. Tells us that uh, he was a leader in the synagogue. Tells us that he had a family, that his daughter was very sick. Um, but we really don't find out a lot more about Jairus. But there, uh, a few things in this story uh, have stood out to me. Now, I'm sure many of you, uh, or some of you that are maybe uh, more theologians than I am, would see a lot of theology in this story. And I'm sure that would be challenging to many of us. Um, but I'm just going to really point out four simple things that I see in this story. Four simple things that maybe can change your life and maybe change the life of someone you know and care about. So the first thing that kind of sticks out to this, uh, of this story to me is Jairus found Jesus and fell at his feet. Verse 22, Jairus finds Jesus and falls at his feet. Jairus was a uh, religious leader. It doesn't really say if he was a man of faith. Uh, it really doesn't say um, much more about him. But yet he knew that he needed to find Jesus. He knew that he had a problem that was greater than than he could handle, and he knew he needed to find the man, Jesus. And so he began, he runs to Jesus. And uh, running to Jesus is probably a very basic step. You would think, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But for so many of us, it doesn't seem to be the first thing that ever comes to mind. Um, I was reminded of, we've been watching our grandchildren play, play a lot of sports, and um, we've been watching the bigger boys play football, and uh, the younger ones play soccer. And it's amazing to me to watch, have you ever watched five-year-olds play soccer? It's, it's chaos. It's chaos with a ball thrown in there. Um, they just run and run. They have no, no direction. They just, everybody just goes this way, then everybody goes this way, then everybody goes that way. Nobody seems to know, and, it, and they might even score on their own net. Like, there just doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. But when you go to a professional game, you go to the, the, the older kids that are playing sports, and right away you see, well, these guys are running, but these guys are running with purpose. These guys know exactly where they want to go. They know exactly where they want to be. They know exactly where the goal line is. And if you want to win, if we want to win, then we need to know where to run. And Jairus knew where to run. He ran to Jesus, Scripture tells us, and fell at his feet. But even if we are riding, running in the right direction... Things don't always go exactly as we expect. Verse 24 tells us, Jesus began traveling with Jairus toward his home. But in the crowd, pressing around Jesus, 
there was a woman. Jesus began to walk with Jairus. He began the journey with Jairus. But suddenly, he was distracted. Suddenly, Jesus stops. He pursues this woman. He has a conversation with her. And all along, Jairus is standing there waiting. I mean, what would, what would you think? You, you run to Jesus. You fall at his feet. Uh, he begins to walk with you, and you're just so excited because you know exactly, exactly what's going to happen. Jesus is going to come, and it's just going to be wonderful. And then all of a sudden, everything stops. Everything's on hold. You're left waiting. I shared a message a long time ago on a Mother's Day called The Hardest Prayer. And it really came out of a personal experience. The hardest prayer, which I'm sure many of you would agree, is praying the Lord's Prayer. And why, would, why do I say that's the hardest prayer? Well, I remember I was in a time, uh, I was praying for our sons, and um, something was going on. I can't quite remember what, but I was really earnestly praying for the Lord to do, to do something in the lives of our sons. And so I was praying away, and, you know, and at the end, I was coming towards the end, and I kind of thought, oh, I guess I should do the, do the spiritual thing and say, not my will, but yours be done. So I kind of ended my prayer, yes, but Lord, not, not my will, even though I, you know, this is how I see it. Uh, not my will, but yours be done. And as soon as those words were out of my mouth, Holy Spirit said to me, you don't mean that. And I started having this conversation. I'm sure some of you might think I was crazy, but others of you know exactly the conversation you have. And I said back, you're right. I don't mean it. And Holy Spirit said to me, well, why don't you mean it? And these are the words that came out of my mouth, probably the most truthful words I've ever said in my life. Because I don't trust you to do it the way I want. And when I said those words, Holy Spirit just broke something inside of me. And I was able to release whatever that was I was praying for and totally commit it to the Lord. And so we have this, th this thing with, with, with Jairus. He, He's run to Jesus. He's fallen at his feet. They've begun walking together. And all of a sudden, it stopped. All of a sudden, Jesus is looking somewhere else. All of a sudden, Jesus seems to be distracted. All of a sudden, Jesus seems to be busy. And before you know it, Feelings of frustration and anxiousness and anger and hurt and maybe even feeling like you've been forgotten or feelings that you're all alone. These are the feelings that creep into us when we, when we just don't understand what's taking so long. Why isn't it? Why aren't you doing it? The, I've done everything. I, I've run. I'm, I've fallen at your feet. Why aren't you answering? Why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you doing what I want you to do? 
And Jesus is standing waiting. And while you're waiting, while you're standing there, you hear others celebrating. You hear others just rejoicing in victory. You hear others sharing experiences of God's miracles in your life. And you're standing there waiting. And you're waiting. And you're waiting. And just when you think things can't get any worse, you have verse 35. Members of Jairus' household pushed through the crowd. Your daughter is dead. There's no need to bother the teacher anymore. The dream dies. Whatever it was that you came running to Jesus for, whatever it was that you fell at his feet for, has died. It's gone. Whatever shred of hope, if there was any, Whatever shred of hope Jairus had, certainly at that moment, left. Outside voices were so anxious, and they always seemed to be so ready to meet us, right? They ran up to him, and those outside voices said, it's over. It is over. You just give up. You have failed. It's no use. God doesn't care. Your dream is dead. It's too late. And the voices, they continue. They say, I told you so. I'm sure many of us have heard some of these voices. Why do you bother with all that church stuff? God doesn't care about you. God isn't listening to you. God doesn't even hear you. But Jesus did hear, and Jesus was there. Verse 36, Jesus overheard their words. He turned to look at Jairus, and he said, It's all right. Don't be afraid. Just believe. November 20th. 2017, which is only a couple of days away, be six years, I guess, I received a phone call that my older sister had been taken to a hospital. She had um, had pneumonia, and um, we knew she wasn't well, but it just seemed like something she was going to get over, and all of a sudden I got this phone call saying she had been rushed to hospital. Um, very quickly, she went downhill, and um, within a few days, actually, she lost her ability to speak. Her childhood friend, named Donna, um, was a nurse, retired at this point, and um, had taken the time and uh, gone and the travel to be with my sister. She lived in uh, just on the Quebec-Ontario border in a small town. And so Donna was sitting with her on a daily basis 
and uh, reporting to us. And my two younger sisters actually flew out to see what was going on because it was all very confusing. She was a bit estranged from her husband at the time and things were a little bit confusing. And I actually drove out to Calgary to explain this situation to my parents. Um, we didn't want to tell them over the phone that their daughter was dying, so I went there personally to tell my, my family, my, my parents. And I would, oft I would as often as possible, I would phone um, Donna and on her cell phone, and she would put the phone to my sister's ear, and I would talk with her, and I would sing. When we were younger, we used to sing a lot of duets in the day of duets during church, and we used to sing a lot of duets together. And so I would sing some of the old familiar hymns that we had sung, and I would pray with her. And this went on for a few weeks, and then, um, as I say, her situation, her uh, health declined rapidly, and she went into basically comatose state where she was not able to communicate at all and, of course, um, just unconscious for most of the time. And so I, I continued with my phone calls. My sister had had uh, a somewhat difficult life. Um, she'd experienced some hurts. Some would say hurts in the church. Some would say hurts just outside of the church. She um, had had some disappointments in life, that's for sure. And as a result, for most of her adult years, she had kind of held God and the church at an arm's length away, just, just far enough that it didn't interfere with her life and didn't kind of cause her any pause that we talked about at the beginning. And so I would phone and I would talk with my sister and talk to my sister and pray with her. And this one time, I felt really heavy in my heart, and I knew, I knew that it wasn't going to be long, and I had to take the brave step and challenge my sister, and so I remember talking with her, and, and again, Donna holding the phone, and, but this time I said to her, Joyce, it's time, it's time to come back to Jesus. It's time to turn around and see that he's been there all the time. All the time that you thought you were alone. All the time you thought you were rejected. All the time you thought you were a failure. He's been there all the time. You've never been alone. You've never been forgotten. And you've never been unloved. It's time. He's there. He's in the room. Just open your eyes. My sister died December the 20th, 2017. Just one month after that initial phone call. But it was a month that I believed God showed her that he was always in the room. 
And that's what we learn from Jairus as well. Verse 39, Jesus and his three disciples went inside. Jesus went into the room where this little girl laid. And the first thing he did was silence all the voices. Verse 40, Jesus cleared the house. He silenced all those voices, all those voices that say you're not enough, all those voices that say you've failed, all those voices that say you've been rejected, all of those voices, all of the distractions, all the noise, all the fear, all the doubt. Jesus even got rid of Google. Everything, everything. And when it was finally quiet, in the stillness of the room, in the quietness of the moment, Jesus spoke. It's time. Little girl, it's time to wake up. Jairus had never been forgotten. Jairus had never been alone. Jesus had been there the whole time. It's time. It's time. It's time to silence the voices. It's time to open our eyes and to see that he is there. He's here. He's in the room. He's in your room. He's in the room of your pain. He's in the room of your fears. He's in the room of our lost hopes. He's in the room of our failures. He's in the room of unforgiveness. He's in the room of our grief. And he's in the room of lost dreams. Jesus is there. And the powerful ending of this little story is that where Jesus is, there's always new life. Immediately, Scripture says, the 12-year-old girl opened her eyes and began to walk. Jesus will give us new dreams. Jesus will show us a new path. Jesus will give us new joy. And Jesus will give us new hope. He's in the room. He's in the room. We just need to open our eyes. As I was studying and reading over this much-loved story, I couldn't help but think of the old chorus, and maybe that's because I'm old. But that's okay. The old chorus, um, some of you might know it, some of you don't. But actually, I'm just going to 
sing it. I think Danielle's going to try to help me. If you can just get me started, then I can sing it. But I want us to stand. And I don't know what room you're standing in tonight. It might be a room of grief. It might be a room of pain. It might be a room of broken promises. You're standing in the room and you're just keeping him that arm's length away. Just far enough that nothing really gets too confusing in your life, but you're just keeping him that arm's length away. But tonight I want to remind us that he's in the room. You might think that he's long gone, but Jesus has walked with you every step of the way, and he's in the very room that you're standing in. And all we have to do is turn around and look at him. Shout out all the voices. Listen for his voice. And he will bring us new hope. And he will bring us new life. Here's a little chorus. Open my eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus. To reach out and touch tonight, but I really want us to, if you're standing in a room and you really want to be able to shut out all the voices, you really want to turn around and see Jesus, I want us just to come and we're not going to make a lot, of, we're just going to stand, we're just going to stand in God's presence, we're just going to stand there and allow Holy Spirit to show us that Jesus has been there all along and all we have to do is just turn to him open our eyes open our ears so let's just come let's just come and just gather around the front here we're just going to worship the Lord together and just believe that God is going to bring new life new hopes new dreams new paths Let's sing it together. Open my eyes, Lord. I want to 
Jesus. 